What's up, you guys? We're so happy you're here to listen to us today. This is Leah and Brittany. You know the vibes. This is a mindful podcast. We got a little bit of humor and gossip thrown in here, and we are so excited for you to listen to this episode today. So, Sunday. Were you busy today? No, I've done absolutely nothing. I think I'm recovering Good. from the weekend because I drank. I drank heavily on Friday and I drank oh. on Saturday. And you oh, know, I'm you? not a. I'm. I'm not a drinker, but no. I have been the past couple of weeks. Well, I've just been drinking. I'm just That's okay. You're single. I'm over Corona. Oh my god, I'm that too. So over. But you're also <laughs> you're single now. You got Melanie out there. Oh, you know, another fair. single gal. So it's you know. For sure. Okay. Yeah. So today I just spent my day kind of getting ready. One of my friends is coming into town um, that I haven't seen since college. She was on the cheerleading team with me in college. So I'm excited. Is she staying with you? Yeah, she's staying with me. She's a photographer. So we'll see if I can get some good pics. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. (laughs) Weekends for me, I always want them to be chill. Yeah. And I always think in my mind, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go do like, or I'm just going to like do these things, like do these projects. Like I was really <laughs> wanting to do shit to my office. You know, yeah. I have that, that um like peel and stick wallpaper. I've mm-hmm. had it for weeks and I keep being like, all right, on the weekend, I'm going to put it up. But I just like have it and I end up working. I end up doing stuff for my website, doing stuff for my clients, just mm-hmm. doing like social media stuff. And my Saturdays and Sundays just get so slammed. And like today, my family all got together and I was like, I can't go. You guys know that I work on Sundays. Yeah. And of course, they're like, okay, well, you own your own business. I'm like, yeah, but Sundays are when I do all my client check-ins and all my client like programming. Yeah. And as organized as I wish I could be about it or just like not organized. I'm very organized. I guess more um, manage my time better about it. I just don't. Yeah. It's hard to like <laughs> just not look at your phone and set aside like yeah. you know, three or four hours to just do client check-ins. Yeah, and- dude. You watched me do it. I watched even, you. And I will put my phone, because I need my phone, obviously, yes. to talk to the clients. Yes. And then I'll, like, look at something. But I'll try. You, I know you watch me be like, oh, and I'll, like, throw my phone down. <laughs> but then I have to, like, text the client. I have yes. to look something up. And it's, like, mm-hmm. uh, it's then just a horrible. Yep. <laughs> oh, but, man, we are on week two of this podcast. And we are so excited to be here. This is Leah and Brittany. You are listening to You Know the Vibes. And we are so happy to have you here. This is a mindful podcast, but we do have a little bit of some banter, a little bit of gossip, a little bit of pop culture, right? All the fun stuff. All the fun stuff. So we're going to kick this off with Brittany reading us our um, astrology (laughs) chart for March. If you guys... If you guys remember last week, March was going to start out a little bit stressful for us. Yes, and Pisces season's already in full blast. So mm-hmm. on the 15th, Mercury enters into Pisces. So that's all about communication. So it's all it's going to be all about our emotions, those deeper things that we hate to talk about. We're going to be bringing them up to the surface, y'all. So I hope you're ready. Woof. I don't know. I don't know. Do you have any tips for us on this, Brittany? Because I don't think I'm ready. Should we journal? Should we talk to a friend? Should we listen to some sad songs? Um, I think that we should all wait until our emotions are more calm before we Mm -hmm. react, especially for big life 
decisions or important conversations, try and wait until your emotions have settled and then have the conversation, whatever it's about. That's some good advice. Yeah. Oh, that's something that I've used you and leaned on you about a lot (laughs) about not responding to people or things off of my emotions because my emotions get real high. And so you're usually really good about telling me to, you know, why don't you, why don't you wait until tomorrow? Why don't you <laughs> sleep on it? on it a little Just bit. think about it. Think about why you want to say this thing or why you want to react to this thing and see if you feel the same way tomorrow. Totally. Because, of course, like emotions are important and the things that come up are important. But sometimes if we are communicating in a reactive way, that's when we get into trouble. Right. So. Yeah. I think – Um, something that you asked me and you maybe don't even like realize the impact it had. I don't even remember when or why you said it to me, but you said, well, why, why don't you think about why you're feeling that way over this situation? Because to me, it's not like a major deal, but it doesn't mean that it's not to you. So why don't you think about why you feel that way? Totally. The, but why, mm -hmm, but why? Yeah. (laughs) If you're a reactive person, because I definitely can be very reactive, um, try to think about why you feel the way you do and why you maybe want to say the thing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that you might say. Especially if you like are really really care about this relationship or whatever, any type of relationship, friendship, significant other, coworker, Fam. family, anything like that. If you v- really value the relationship, you want to be careful that it's not too reactive. But sometimes our reactive responses are absolutely valid. Um, but, you know, we just regret them later. We regret saying them the way that we do later. Oh, man. <laughs> that guilt, man. Yeah. <laughs> the guilt, but also the anxiety that comes back. You're like, Why did I say that? Why when you're overthinking it, it or like, yeah. I wish I would have said this instead. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a few times recently with trying the new let's sleep on it game where I have miraculously gotten over something without ever confronting the situation or the person because I realized that it didn't really need to be confronted. Mm. It was just me being a little crazy. <laughs> Maybe overthinking, which yeah. we all do. We all get in those cycles, man. I swear Mercury in retrograde in February was my overthinking. Oh, my God. Same. Same. I thought I had control of my overthinking. And it was weird because the moment Mercury retrograde ended, I was just sad. Yeah. We entered Pisces. And I was just sad. (laughs) I don't know if the sad uh, hit me initially, but when am I not sad? You know? Oh, man. So we got some really good topics today. Um, two topics that Brittany and I both uh, feel real good about talking about. And they're they're pretty, I think, relatable to most people. Yep. Um, the first one that I really want us to dive into, because it's been a bit of a hot topic. I think the reason why this has been something that people have been talking about a lot lately is because of the pandemic. Okay. So many people have been trying to branch out or have been trying to, you know, chase those dreams, chase those like new business ventures, business ideas, grow themselves in ways that they maybe couldn't before, right? Because most people are home more than ever. And so people are moving into this new, even more of a virtual world. And I think that it is causing a lot of people to feel imposter syndrome. 
Yep. Those so, two ugly words, imposter yeah. syndrome. Yeah. So um, for those that don't know. Imposter syndrome is a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their skills, talents, or accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. Oof. Doesn't that's, that, isn't that scary? Oh, it hurts. That, that's tough. So it's basically people that feel like they either are, are not qualified or not educated enough to be doing what they're doing, right? Totally. Have you, before we get like t- deep into like our discussion on it, have you ever personally, Brittany, experienced imposter syndrome? Um, I think that maybe for a split second, after I finished my yoga teacher training, you know, I was very like, bitch, I'm not prepared for this. But I realized, I kind of realized that maybe I wasn't and that I had to do more. Not only was the 200 hour yoga teacher training not totally enough, it didn't cover all the bases. I had to continue doing research, continue broadening my knowledge, especially with the more physical stuff. And so I definitely, it's it's a constant learning cycle. So I think that if you get away from learning and researching into whatever it is that you are trying to do, that is when you these feelings of I'm an imposter start to set in. Okay. I have to say, and this, it's going to come off however it's going to come off, but okay. I don't think that I have ever personally experienced imposter syndrome. Yeah. I think because I have always just stayed in my lane. Yeah. There's been times where I'll, and maybe that's like one of the few times where I'm a lot more rational and logical with myself where there has, of course, been times where I've attempted to maybe venture into something. And then once I get in it, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I'm not qualified to be doing this. Or there are so many people that are doing this so much better than me that I'd probably be better off just hyping them up or using them as a resource instead of me trying to do it. Yeah, totally. You just kind of take a step back. Yeah. So I kind of like stop that imposter syndrome before it starts. Yeah. And I think that people get imposter syndrome and just low confidence confused. And so- Well, and that's why I wanted to talk about this because I think- like you said, those two phrases, imposter syndrome, I think it's a little bit of like a trendy phrase right now. It it absolutely is. Yeah. And like you said, I think COVID has kind of really brought it to light because people are wanting to get out of their corporate nine to fives, wanting to get into more the fitness realm, the, the yoga realm, everything like that, trying to get an online business going. So we yeah. had a, you had a post that you wanted to bring up by Alyssa. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So there's this amazing, amazing woman that I follow online and she just happens to live here in Georgia. She goes to the University of Georgia. So she's up in Athens. Her name is Alyssa Olenek. I might be saying her last name wrong, but on Instagram, she's Little List Fitness. I'll make sure that we put her tag and the link to this post that I'm talking about in our in the description box. But just a background so that you know I'm not reading this from some just like random person on the internet. Alyssa is in a PhD program for metabolism and exercise, and she's in our field, right? She's she's so so stinking smart, and she's also really really great about just hitting people with the hard truths. And she made this post just recently back in February about imposter syndrome. And I, I think from what I can tell from her, I think it's like a common thing for people in PhD programs to, to deal with imposter syndrome, which I can imagine because you're going from being student 
from the time you're five years old to then all of a sudden you get in this program and you're now a teacher, you're now a scientist, (laughs) you're now, you are now the leader and you are trying to tell these people who have been, you know, teaching for 40 years, why you deserve to have this title oh. with your name. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I could, I could never, never do it. But so I imagine that's why she made this post and why she gets asked about imposter syndrome a lot. But I really resonated with this because I've heard and seen a lot of people talking about imposter syndrome as well. So I'm just going to read she made like four ish points on it. It's kind of a long post. so I'm just going to read the gist of it. So she's she said uh, she did used to feel imposter syndrome. And then she uh, said, I, you know, just one day I woke up and I decided, no, I I know who I am, what I'm doing. And I know that I'm really fucking good at what I do. And the mind is so powerful. So if you can tell yourself that. Yeah, exactly. And so here's what she said. She, She said, what changed? She said, here's the thing. It never goes away. At some point, I had to have some tough love with myself because self-doubt is either one, self-centered self-deprivation, or two, you are actually not qualified or capable to do what you're doing. Uh, So she challenges these questions. She said, are you using your self-doubt as a cop-out for failure because it's safer to doubt and fail than believe and fail? Oh, my God. (laughs) I hate it. That's yeah. Okay, keep going. Yeah. So she said somewhere rooted in others' views of you, (gasps) your ego and perfectionism, which is what you were saying. That is how what and how you felt with your yoga teacher training. It's more of a self-doubt thing, like you said. Yeah. Um, And I think that a lot of people experience that. Remember my sister, who's also in yoga, my sister, Kylie, she she was feeling a little bit of that as well which hers was a little different than you because she had been teaching in-person yoga for what, about two years. And then, um, and then she stopped, she, you know, she started a family. So she stopped teaching because she was teaching hot yoga. And then when she wanted to switch to like virtual teachings, she stalled herself because she felt like an imposter. And we all, me and, you know, the rest of our sisters had to be like, Kylie, you're what? No, you've been teaching yoga. You're not like brand new. Yeah. But it was that self-doubt. Totally. She wasn't qualified to do what she was doing. So here's the second one. Uh, She said too, hot take. If you were a male, would you have the same level of doubt? So Alyssa speaks mainly to females. She pretty much, I think she only coaches women actually. Okay. I love that. Yeah. If you were a male, would you have the same level of doubt? This isn't a knock on men, but statistics show that they're more likely to apply for a job or ask for a raise or do the damn thing when they are less or not qualified. Ladies, you do not need to be 107% ready, qualified, or perfect. Yeah. And I think that's really great too. And I had I read someone else said uh, recently, not even regarding imposter syndrome, just in life about how men will apply for jobs that they are only... So if you have like an application, right? And you have, if you scale it on 100%, applicable or whatever. I don't think that's the right word, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, that men will apply if they're as low as like 50 to 60% within those check boxes for the job position. Okay. But women will not apply for a job unless they have a hundred percent of the job requirements. Oh my gosh. It yeah, reminds so me they- of a tweet I saw the other day. It says, Hey girl, friendly, friendly reminder to apply to that job. You're not qualified for because yes. neither are the white men that currently work there. Toodaloo. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that's exactly what I was going to say that I had, I was reading this thing where it was, it was a woman who was saying the same thing. It was like, apply. If you have 50% of the requirements, apply. You never know. If you, if you want a raise and you feel that you deserve a raise and you have the proof as to why you deserve a raise, go ask. 
because there is a man that has already asked for a raise and he got it when he didn't deserve it. Yeah. And so I think that's what Alyssa means. You know, like a lot of men, they'll just go after the thing that they want to do and they don't really self doubt because I don't know, I guess confidence levels are different. Patriarchy. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, if you're a woman listening to this, think about if you were a man, if you would have that same doubt. Interesting. Yeah. And then it says hot take number two, you're actually not qualified. Not all imposter syndrome is just misaligned, a misaligned personal view from reality. We live in an era of out of scope practice and misinformation. A lot of people are overly confident in what they can do. And sometimes this is the the appropriate response. So I... so this one, I challenge you, use this as an opportunity to start and do where with where you are, because everyone is qualified once started unqualified. So view this gap between you and who you want to be to do as an opportunity to learn and grow while being realistic in what it means, what you're qualified and capable to do right now. So because that's what I was going to talk about. And I think that you and I have different viewpoints on imposter syndrome. I think because of the way that we both have experienced it, but also just because of the type of people we are, where I assume that most people, you spoke to me about it. My sister Kylie spoke to me about it. And I hyped you guys up because I knew that you were just self-doubting. But I have spoken to a lot of people who are claiming that they feel imposter syndrome. And if I was a meaner person, I would tell them that they're feeling that way because they're not qualified to do what they're trying to do. Totally. And it's really hard to tell somebody that, but sometimes you just want to. Now, I think the time when it's appropriate is if it's, if they're doing something that is borderline illegal. Um, And I say that because, you know, health and fitness space, there's a lot of gray area and there are people that try to teach and instruct and coach and take money from people for things that they're not qualified to do. But because there's no regulation or there's little regulation, I should say, these people will just do it. Yep. And it's quick to get certified in, you know, Mm -hmm. in just personal training or get your CrossFit certification a couple of days. Same thing with weightlifting. We yep. see so many unqualified weightlifting <laughs> coaches with a team, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think what I've been seeing personally is that there's a lot of these new online coaches, fitness and nutrition coaches that will talk about imposter syndrome. And a big common denominator I'll see is that it's because these people have never worked with others, with clients in person. Okay. And they went straight to virtual. Okay. And to me, specifically for like weight training, lifting, things that have a large danger to them, uh, these coaches will start teaching people strength training and lifts, like overhead lifts and lifts with, you know, loads on your back. And they've never taught anyone in person or they've never even interned with another coach in person. And it's one of those things where it's like, well, I hate to break it to you, girlfriend. You're just unqualified. It's not imposter syndrome. Well, it is imposter syndrome, but it's because you are not qualified to do what you're doing. You need to go take a few classes with some people and learn what you're doing. Yes, you have the piece of paper. Yes, you have the certification. Yes, you've read all the books. But have you ever been with someone with a barbell on their back and they don't know what they're doing? Yeah. And in person, in front of your face? Having to figure out different cues that work for different people. Yeah. Right. It's hard. Yeah. <clears throat> but I do I do definitely understand the people that just feel the doubt. Yeah. But they are qualified. Totally. It's like the – if you're – 
most people feel like everybody is watching and judging them, but nobody mm-hmm. judges you as much as you judge yourself, right. you know? So learning to turn that voice off. Yeah, it's hard, but I think it's, I think it's interesting. And I think it's something that most people should be aware of. Yeah. The two, the two reasons why, like Alyssa broke it down into, or I guess you broke it down into three, but we'll go with the main two. Yeah. That there's two reasons why you're feeling it. So if you do start to feel imposter syndrome, take a step back and try to be realistic with yourself. Yeah, totally. The but why game. The but why game. Why am I feeling feeling this way? (laughs) (laughs) So very interesting. Also, I looked up uh, when I was looking up imposter syndrome. There is also a part of imposter syndrome that occurs in the context of mental illness. And it's treatment. And I had never heard of this uh, idea before, but it's that certain individuals may see themselves as less ill, less depressed or anxious than their peers or other mentally ill people, citing Mm. their lack of severe symptoms as the indication of no or minor underlying issue. So basically they're saying like, well, their problems aren't worth, uh, my problems aren't worth psychiatric treatment. Um, And that's a hard one. That's actually a big one. Big one. And I, I, I lost my dad to suicide in 2010, you know, this, mm-hmm. and I ran away from any type of therapy or any type of psychiatric treatment for almost a decade. You know, I yeah. was in and out of random therapy or support groups, but I would always be like, you know, I'm too far removed from this or like, you know, they just lost their parent last week and mine has been six years ago. Like I should, you know, like I don't belong here, you know, that kind of thing. And that's also my foreness. I don't belong, like I don't fit in here, you know? And so it took almost a decade to actually get the help that I didn't know that I needed. And you think, and I guess that's the medical side of imposter syndrome. And you didn't even know that that's what it was. Yeah. I didn't realize that that's a thing either, but I, I also can totally empathize with that and understand that with the, oh, well, I'm not as bad as other people. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I need to be on medication. I am not as bad as other people. Or, you know, because obviously mental health does not treat any two people the same or mental illnesses, I guess I should say, doesn't treat any two people the same. And so depression on you looks different on me. Yep. Anxiety on me looks different on you, on me than it does on you. And so it, it definitely does cause people to think like, oh, I'm, I'm not that bad. <laughs> yes, for sure. And with social media, we have like more more definitions coming out. Like more, it's more in our face now. So like when people talk about high functioning anxiety, I think that me and you can both relate to that. And it's like, oh, like you read the this post and you're just like, oh, I relate to that. Oh my God, <laughs> this is me. You know, and then you yeah. take it to your psychiatrist and you're like, <laughs> do you know a good one that has been going around a lot lately? And I think it's really interesting is adult ADHD. Yes. So I, so I actually have almost no knowledge of ADHD because yeah. growing up, especially in the nineties, I think we were all just told that kids that had, well, we also all were made to believe that ADD and ADHD were basically the same thing. Yes. And that, um, it's just kids that were really hyper. Yeah. That can't That's what I always thought it was. It's just mm-hmm. kids that are super hyper. Yeah. I still don't know the difference between the two. I um, think ADD is obsolete now. I think that they just say ADHD. It's just gone. Okay. So it's all ADHD. So I, I actually, and I think I even told you this because I found it that interesting. So my best friend has three daughters and um, the oldest daughter has ADHD. Okay. And 
um, apparently it is extremely hard to diagnose because there's three different types of ADHD and they all show up different okay. and it's really, really hard to diagnose, but they were able to find that, find that she does have it. But what the interesting part is that, and I think she's like 10 or 11. Okay. The interesting part about that, about this is that, so, you know, they, this year, because of the pandemic, they switched to virtual schooling. Yeah. Um, but here in Georgia, I don't know if it's the same in every state in Georgia, you had the option to choose if your kid, if you wanted to send your kid to school, like small classrooms and stuff or virtual. So anyway, my best friend, she had all three of her kids doing virtual because she was like, no, we cannot send them to school. No. Yeah. Well, about halfway through the semester, her two little girls, they were devastated and they needed to go to school because they could not, they could not do their schoolwork at home. It was too quiet. You know, there's no other, and no other kids around. It's just them. No stimulation. Well, the oldest, right. Well, the oldest one, they learned that she has the type of ADHD where she does best with zero noise, zero distractions, no one around her. Wow. Yeah. So she, they just like stick her in their dining room and she has noise canceling headphones and she's been doing better in school this year than she ever has in her life. And she's not on medication. She's just doing virtual school alone in the dining room. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. And the no medication part, not that there's anything wrong with medication, but I know like our our idea of medication for ADHD is that it's meth, you know, and so parents are (laughs) kind of it. (laughs) And so parents are like uh, apprehensive to even go that route because they're like, I don't want to start giving my kids meth. I don't want them to be just quiet zombies. Knocked out. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that they were able to find that out. But that's what's been so crazy about all the like adult ADHD posts on social media is like, I'll read things. Like, do I have ADHD? Yeah. I resonate with that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, I don't think that I do. I think that mine is mainly just like the really bad anxiety, but you'll yeah. still see things and you're like, oh, wow. Totally. That's crazy. Totally. Um, it's yeah. so hard to diagnose and not only is it hard, hard to diagnose, but it's expensive as fuck. Yeah. And, you know, like even if you have health insurance, like a, a, to see a psychiatrist is over a hundred dollars a pop. Um, and most of the time you just, it's just a quick check-in, you know, they're not just, they're not like, all right, let's sit here and talk about it. They're like, uh, talk to your therapist about that. You know, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm not here for that. drugs. <laughs> yeah. It's not wild. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So that's, that's crazy. I did not know that there was like a medical side to imposter syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. Me either. Me either. But I think I can so, well, I just kind of opened up something in my mind. Yeah. Well, and for anyone who's listening, if you've ever felt like maybe you don't have something bad enough, what's bad enough? What is bad enough? <laughs> if you need help, go get some help, girlfriend. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Because I know a lot of times we invalidate our struggles. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if it doesn't come like from ourselves, it's the people around us. It's our parents saying like, well, you could have had the same childhood as I did, you know, and that like completely delegitimizes your pain, your struggles, that toxic positivity, you know. Yep. I think the baby boomer parents, like Oof. we come from baby boomer parents. I think that, <laughs> love my parents, but I feel that that generation was really, really tough because it, they did come from the generation where their parents would leave them home for an entire week at a time, or they'd all let them drink and they'd smoke in the house and they just kind of let them do whatever they wanted. And they still got, the, they got their ass beat by their parents. And for sure, they got beat, depend, you know, my mom went to a Catholic school, so they'd get beat by the fucking nuns and yeah. So we'd always hear like, well, at least I don't beat you like my mother beat me. Oh. Like, well, I mean, I guess. 
Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and then it makes you feel guilty. Like, okay, yeah. I guess I shouldn't cry. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> But it doesn't mean we didn't have fucked up childhoods. Yes. Amen. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So that got, that got a little bit dark. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Have you, wait, have you ever met someone, though, who didn't have a fucked up childhood? And you start talking about things. And, they just, and they're yeah. looking at you like with the with shock but also with more pity than you've ever seen because yes. <laughs> you don't understand what you're saying oh my gosh and you're just trying to like you know your dark humor is just coming to the surface <laughs> and then they're just like oh, oh, what like i'm just trying to like joke about being beat with a wooden spoon yes. and my friend's like the fuck yeah. The spoon, I'm like well yeah but it's better than a belt you yes know? i would take that over the belt or the coat hanger any day or just like her fist. <laughs> my mom used to grab the hair above my ear, so like right here, <gasps> and pull me across the room, you know, because that doesn't leave a mark on you. But it stops whatever you're doing. She said it to me and my brother. My brother didn't always have long hair, and she would still like, she was so she quick. <laughs> my mom used to get her hands on the top of her head, like on the oh, crown, oh, right at the oh. base, because you can control someone yeah. from the base of it. The, the crown of their head, you oh. know. She used to drag a spire oh, hair. No. Yeah. But wooden spoons for sure. We got hit by I used to get beat with a wooden spoon. And she would say, Well, you know, at least it's not a belt. Jesus. It, it <laughs> but with me, well, I was always like a mocker. I was a big mocker and I would talk <gasps> back. Um oh, I used to talk my back. parents. Yeah. You know, it's so weird because I'm not a confrontational person, but when it came to my parents, I was like quick until yeah, until I got older and so oh my gosh like I would mock and I would go so like even if I wasn't like facing them they could see that I was mocking them because my head was tilting back and forth and they'd be like you get your ass over here oh no I didn't mock but I definitely talked back yeah I was a I'd always did you just talk back to me <laughs> no no I was just responding yes yes because what's the difference of responding and talking and back talking what the back. fuck is talking back you're right you're right Right. Did you just talk back to me? Yes, yeah. I did actually talk back to you because you were yeah, talking I to did. me. <laughs> Damn, I could oh, not have God. children. Like, oh, no, oh, no. Uh, like we could dog. probably have a we could probably have a whole episode on uh, sh- growing up in the '90s shit your parents were allowed to do that they're oh. not anymore. But I don't, I don't want to piss my parents off, you know. Oh gosh, I already warned my, my mom. I warned my mom. I said, if you listen to this podcast, you cannot get mad at anything I say. <laughs> there you go. I should probably tell my parents. And thank God my do- dad's dead. <laughs> There's that dark humor. No, my dad's going to like tell all his coworkers. Tell them to so you got to listen to my daughter's podcast. And then they hear me telling the story of him pulling over on the side of the highway, pulling my pants down, beating my ass, and then putting me back in the car, telling me I can't cry. God, what did you do to deserve that? <laughs> oh, we, oh, that, you didn't get that? Oh, we used to, my dad used to pull the fucking car over and drag out whoever it was that he was going to spank. Because, of course, back then it was called spanking. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, bend, you, bend your ass over, pull your pants down because it had to be bare ass. Oh, totally. Whack you real good. Now, my dad was a bodybuilder, a professional yeah. bodybuilder. He's still my whole life is always trained that way. Dude's massive. Yeah. Imagine being a tiny, scrawny little kid and your dad's about to totally. literally beat your ass. Totally. Terrifying. It was yeah. one time one time I got in trouble, pulled over off this 
the road type of trouble because my brother threw up in the car. He got car sick. Okay. Threw up onto the back of the seat that I was sitting on. Okay. And I thought it was gross, obviously. And so I reacted. Yeah. I reacted the way any young child would react to their brother puking. My dad pulls over. I get in trouble for Matt puking. My brother's name is Matt. He then gets to have my seat and I have to sit in the seat where my brother puked. Now it wasn't on the seat, it was on the back of the seat, but I had to sit there in front of it until we got home. My mouth is I made fun of him and it wasn't his fault. Like it wasn't his fault for puking and I shouldn't have laughed at him. No, uh-uh. I would have just yeah. been, I would have been the drama queen in the back, just oh, yeah. drama queen. Oh my gosh. So, okay, were your parents the type that were like, so, you know, my mom was always like the the one that would discipline and stuff. So if my dad was around, she would make him do it. And then uh, and then he, you know, he'd get bare ass, like ready to spank you. And he'd be like, I'm sorry, like I don't want to do this, but your mom is making me do this. Oh me. my God. And so like I was like, Oh, my mom is the mean one. Oh no. <laughs> no, see, my parents were divorced by the time I was five. Okay. So my parents had... should have been divorced at when I was five, but yeah, so we had my mom and then we had my dad and my stepmom who she's not my stepmom anymore, okay. but all I, they were married, I think 13 or 14 years. So like my whole what? adolescence they were together. Okay. So she the stepmom did not ever personally discipline us. Mm. However, she did control. She would tell on you guys. Yes. <laughs> no loyalty. To so all the loyalty was to my dad. So it would be the just wait till your father gets home. You can sit here at the table until your father gets home so we can tell him what you did. I'm like, fuck, man. So you have to sit there for like an hour just sweating because you have no idea what version of the story she's going to tell. Of course. Of course. You know? Or what, the, what it looked like from her lens. Right. Totally. <laughs> and then but – but I will say my parents, they did not work together on discipline or punishment. Okay. If we got in trouble at our moms, we were in trouble at our moms. If we got in trouble at our dads, we were in trouble at our dads. Yeah. Now, it did come to a point when we were older where if we were in trouble at our dads – we he would keep us from going to our mom's, which legally I don't know if he was allowed to do that, but it was one of those things that like no one could really fight it at the totally. time. But it's because he knew we wouldn't stay grounded at if her you house. went to her house. Yeah, so it was like, well, you can't go over there because I know you're not going to stay. Like oh I know she'll gosh. let you go out. So yeah. whenever I got older, it would be I would uh, threaten my mom. I would say, well, I'm just going to go live. So they got divorced when I was in fifth grade, so I was like 11, and so I would always threaten, I'm well, I'm going to go live with dad and then and then one time she made me mm. <laughs> she, she made me follow my Sorry, bitch, let's go and so pack your well, bag i was like well fine like whatever it'll be fine but they were working together and he wasn't you know whenever i got older he was not the type to lay his hand on me he would threaten me like he would go like this if i was bothering him but he was the psychological abusive type you know like he would yell at me all through the night and like not let me sleep and stuff so it was like it would i would have rather been beaten or beaten i would have rather been beaten than did you get grounded or did you just get like reprimanded oh i got grounded like and i would get grounded grounded. i would get grounded for obnoxious lengths of time like i was whenever i was at my dad's house i was grounded for like nine months same 
And like, I couldn't, I couldn't do extracurricular activities. I had to go to school and I had to come straight home. I couldn't have friends. I couldn't leave the house. I couldn't like TV, no phone, no computer, no radio. All I could do was sit next to him on the couch. That's all I could do. Did we live the same life? We lived the same life. This is like what we talked about last week where every time we learned something new about each other, we're we're like, like, bitch. Dude, my dad one time took the mother fucking door to my bedroom off the hinges. Took the door off the hinges. Me and my older sister Amber shared a room. And he said that privacy was a privilege. And that there is no law that states that you have to have a door to your bedroom. So he took that bitch off the hinges. And I, I don't remember. Now I don't remember how long it was off. Maybe... Because that time we were grounded the entire first semester of school. It was my sophomore year of high school. And when he took the hinges off, I want to say it was maybe a month until we finally were like, Dad, can we please get the door back? Like, you can keep everything else. But, like, it's really scary sleeping with the door with no door. Like, can we please have the door back? And my dad was really annoying because he would, anytime you, like, asked for something back after being grounded, he would laugh and be like, oh. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. No problem. That I didn't have that. Literally, he's like, "Oh yeah, I didn't know that you girls like didn't like not having the door." I thought you guys liked like it. What? And he's like, "Yeah, I'll put it back on right now." Oh my god! Did I ask for that sooner, dude? Dude, I swear. You know, it's like, of course, with each generation, we learn like what kind of shit fucks us up in our minds and my parents definitely fucked up my idea of like relationships and so now as you know 27 year old single woman I'm having to like re figure out like what's healthy and what's toxic and you know I love toxic I love toxic it's so much fun and I'm like, so much fun. oh my gosh, it's so much fun. I hate boring. I hate passionless men. Like I just, I need a, a little bit of crazy, but you know, the crazy, <laughs> it's so hard because the crazy causes so much havoc on your day to day. And so I, of course, like I had the craziest before and um, I don't want to go back to that. But bitch, it was so fun. I and I, you know, I spent like two and a half years in just like a boring relationship, or three years in a boring relationship. And I don't want to go back to that again. And so like with my, uh, like a, a last situation, I'll, you know, it's, it was already toxic after one week. And I'm like, Ooh, yeah. but it's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having to stop myself from texting. Because it's what you saw. It's, 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 ooh, it's what I'm used to. You know, it takes me back to childhood with those childhood patterns and it's so funny because I didn't ever think any of the things that happened to me growing up were abnormal yeah same until like literally until like I was 30 yeah like because I you know of course growing up or like into my 20s like after high school and you like tell random stories say things here and there and like it literally just becomes a joke where you're like oh that didn't happen to you weird yeah here's what happened to me yeah but like never really clicked like no bitch I was fucked up and that's why you are the way you are mm-hmm. <laughs> but like I even still so something else like and Brittany you know this I actually don't remember most of my childhood yeah I only remember like 
events. I only remember certain things. Anytime I'm with anyone in my family and someone tells a story, I not only won't remember it, but they'll tell me that I was there. Or they'll tell me that it happened to me. Like whatever the story was, was, was about me and I have no recollection of it. So obviously I now understand that that was fucked up, yeah. but it took until I was 30 to be like, oh yeah, I guess that like wasn't okay. Yeah. You just grow accustomed to what you're used to. Yeah. And if you're not able to like work – so I – fortunately, I have my best friend, George, who's very um, introspective and helps me be even more introspective. And like we just like bounce ideas off of each other a lot. And so I met him a couple months after my dad died. And ever since then, I had like a – him and his mom both were both – just like sounding boards for like my traumas. And I would, I would tell them these things and they're like, no, that's not normal. And so, you know, I've been dealing with a, no, that's not normal since college, you know, after I, you know, through high school, I'd, Ooh, I just, cause you were, were you a junior in high school when your dad died? I was a sophomore and so I, I had just turned 16 and I had also just moved out of his house. Um, and so mm. there was a lot of like self-blame there. And of course, we'll get into it later. Um, I have no yeah, problem yeah. talking about it now. It's been, you know, a decade. Um, yeah. And I've, yeah, I feel like every couple of years, I feel so differently about it. And uh, as of recently, a ca- kind of a lot of like repressed anger has been coming out. So just, yeah. you know dealing with all those those waves the waves of emotions the waves that involves being a pisces <laughs> yeah i uh i read something one time it was it was like a poem type thing you know but it was about grief and loss yeah and of course it can be relate relate related to anything it doesn't necessarily have to be of like death or like of a person yes um and it was about waves and like you kind of like treat the event that you're grieving over as a ship. Yeah. Right. And how the waves keep coming down onto the ship. And at first they're huge, uncontrollable, almost unsurvivable waves. And you have no idea when they're going to stop and they're not letting up to even take a breath and they're just coming and coming and coming. But they do eventually become smaller and less powerful. Yeah. But they still come. Mm -hmm. And so you still have waves that will come and come and come and they'll crash on you. And sometimes it will be a really big wave that came out of fucking nowhere. Yeah. And then it's fine. And then sometimes you'll just get a shit ton of little waves. And those are almost just as bad as like the one really big wave, right? Yeah. And then eventually you get to the point where those waves only happen on very specific days. Yeah. Anniversary, a birthday. Holidays holiday a death day right like anything like that or like sometimes it'll just be a show or a movie or a smell or a song bring it out and just like a little wave will come and then it passes and then you forget about it until the next wave totally um i think it sometimes helps like obviously metaphors are for they help metaphors help so i think if you can think of things as waves yeah and just know that it'll healing is not linear fucking wild man so that was kind of a deep topic Sorry. (laughs) Maybe we need a little bit of a a palate cleanser. I was was listening to this podcast the other day and they were talking about a ghost chicken in Highgate, England. What? (laughs) Let me tell you. I was just cracking up because I was like, what? So apparently in this city of Highgate, England... (laughs) 
the the guy who kind of invented the idea of refrigerators back in the day i don't remember what year it was but um he he wanted to keep chicken for later right so he beheaded this chicken plucked it and all that and then put it in like this ice box and then he died a couple days later i wonder why you know he probably ate that chicken and it was it went bad <laughs> but apparently that chicken like is a ghost that come goes around Highgate, England. Like it'll just pop up in like the most random times. And it'll, it's literally like a ghost chicken that will just run around the house wreaking havoc, just like squawking like crazy head, this headless chicken, just like running around like a chicken with his head cut off. I wonder if that's where the thing came from. But uh, apparently it's like a true thing that people experience just like a ghost chicken. To this day. What? What? What is that? A ghost chicken. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I guess we eventually need to talk about some ghostly encounters. I know, because I was going to say. Yes. Oh, yes, I do. I do. I believe in ghosts. I believe in, like, energies. Yeah. Yes. I definitely love that. All right, because I definitely have some ghost stories. So maybe we'll do that. One. Maybe we'll talk about ghost stories next week. Yes, yes. All right. Write that down, B. Okay, okay. Write that down, B. Don't forget. Oh, man. It was really great talking with you guys all today. Yeah. Hopefully it it wasn't too serious. But that's why we do say that this podcast is for the mindful soul because life can be pretty serious sometimes and just, you know, sometimes you just got to talk it out. Yeah, it comes at you fast. Um, if you if you liked this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Don't forget to subscribe. Send it to a friend. Maybe you have a friend that has been dealing with imposter syndrome and you're really unsure about how to talk to them about it. Just, yeah. just give them a little forward. Yeah. A little Send forward button. Send them our way. Maybe they need to hear it. They don't they don't need to know why you sent them this episode. They could think it's because of the family stuff, there you know? You <laughs> Oh man, you guys know the vibe, so we keep it real in here. This is Leah and Brittany, and we will talk to you guys next week.